Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, welcome to the happy hour. Today I have a conversation with Preston Sprinkle. Preston's the president of the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender, and he's also a New York Times bestselling author. He's written a dozen books, including People to Be Loved, which is an award-winning book on faith and homosexuality. Preston lives in Boise, Idaho with his wife and kids, and I tell Preston in this interview what I initially thought of him, and I want to I lay it out here real quick. Is when I first started following Preston, I was confused a little bit by him. Because I was used to people publicly talking around conversation about faith and homosexuality with a lack of care, with a lack of generosity, with a lack of compassion, with a lack of kindness. And that's not how Preston is at all. He is full of kindness and full of compassion, and he cares deeply for people. And he has real hard, difficult conversations around faith and sexuality. Over the years, as I followed Preston and have really grown to admire and respect his work and him as a person, I was so honored to have him on the happy hour. Now, Preston has never been on the happy hour before, but he was on my other podcast called Launch. If you're a parent, you should go check out the podcast Launch. I host it with my friend Lisa Whittle. And I actually did a whole bonus episode with Preston about having conversations with our kids not just about sexuality, but about um, conversations around transgender. What is it? How do we deal with it? What does it look like? How do we have conversations? Uh, He is one of the best in the business to have these conversations with. So it's an honor to have him on the show today. And the reason he's on today is because he released a book a handful of months ago, and it's called Does the Bible Support Same-Sex Marriage? 21 Conversations from a Historically Christian View. Preston says this book is equipped with thorough research, history, and biblical context and it's based on his most frequently asked questions and opinions when speaking over the past decade. And it enables the readers to really wade into some of the main arguments against the historically Christian view of marriage. Some of them would be the biblical writers didn't know about sexual orientation or that Jesus never mentioned homosexuality. Biblical teachings about women, slavery, and same sex are on the same trajectory. Preston answers those in his book in a very thorough way, expansive way, that he does deal with the history, biblical context. And I think that people are coming to this conversation, maybe listeners here today, from a couple different areas. Maybe they're coming from an area of like, okay, I know what I believe and this doesn't really affect me. Or I know what I used to believe and now I believe something entirely different. Or they're a little apprehensive, like, what is Preston going to say that's going to make me so angry? Or what is Jamie going to say? And Preston starts his book really with an invitation for us to be really great listeners and for us to be really great community members and for us to engage in conversations in thoughtful ways. And he really wants us to think more deeply and love more widely. And I do think that when you read this book that you're going to get that from him, whether you agree or disagree with what he is saying. I enjoyed this conversation with him today. I think you're going to enjoy it as well. And then like me, you're going to make sure you get this book to the top of your to read list. In fact, I didn't have this book in time to read it before the interview happened, but I recently just got it and put it on a shelf that says, I will read this eventually because I've listened to Preston's podcast about this and really, really, really love the way that he expanded on his podcast about this book. 
if you want to check out his podcast, it's called Theology in the Raw. And he has really, really great conversations about lots of different things. In fact, his little tagline on his podcast says that he takes a fresh look at what the Bible really says as he challenges opinions and traditions, yes, even his own. Homosexuality, sex, porn, drinking, immigration, racial tensions, violence, ISIS, Trump, guns, patriotism. You mentioned if it's of interest, you can expect Preston to address it. And that is true. So he has done some extensive conversations on his podcast about his book as well, which is why I really was interested in reading it. All right, guys, enough conversation from me about Preston. I just appreciate the work that he's doing. I want to say real quick, happy birthday to my coworker, Amanda Reed. She's worked with me for a little over a year, and I'm so happy that she's here. So happy birthday, Amanda. All right, y'all, here is my conversation with Preston Sprinkle. Preston, welcome to the happy hour. Thanks for having me on again, Jamie. I'm excited about this conversation. Well, I'm so excited. Now, let me say, you've never been on the happy hour, actually. You've been on oh, lunch. I was on... You were on the other podcast for parents. Oh, so this is like the, this the, is the Jamie Ivey show. This is the, this is the Jamie Ivey happy hour. This is the gold star. <laughs> um, right. Truth be told, I've wanted to have you on forever. And um, we got you on our podcast launch, which I was just looking at it. And that came out in September last year. My friend Lisa okay. Whittle we talked about talking about sex yeah. with your kids. Preston was our expert. And then the best thing happened is that when Preston was the expert, he was like, Jamie and Lisa said great things. Here's what I wish they would have talked about. And I was like, well, how about we get you back? And so in May, we released a whole episode over there um, yeah. talking really about having conversations about sexuality and transgender and all those things for our kids. Mm -hmm. So Preston, it's an honor to have you on the happy hour. It's an honor to be here, Jamie. So excited. Um, okay, well, before we dive in, because you have a book, when did your book come out? Let me see. I should know that as an interviewer. August 1st. August 1st. August yeah. 1st. And here yeah. we are, the end of October. It's not too late, you guys. Uh, but we're <laughs> going to talk about a subject today that I think can make people feel uncomfortable. It can make people feel mm -hmm. scared. It can make people feel angry. Um, and man, you were the best person I can imagine having this conversation with. And so I'm so excited. So before we jump into our conversation, mm -hmm. um, I want you to tell me what you do for a living. What's your, what's your job? Yeah. What are you doing these days up I in Boise? Yeah, in post code in the post COVID world, it's hard to pin that down. Like I don't even know how to answer that question when people ask me. But here's several things I do. I, uh, my main job is I'm the president of uh, the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender, which is an organization that helps train leaders, Christian leaders, on how to wrestle with the LGBTQ conversation. So that's that's my that's been my full time job for over six years now. I also uh, run a podcast called Theology in Raw, which for a while was just a a side hustle I did in my spare time, but now it's kind of grown into a, a, a pretty in, interesting ministry well, you, like, like you. Jamie uh, Ivey is one of the listeners. So there you go. I love it. <laughs> so grateful for it. Yeah. And then I, I, I travel and speak and write books and, and um, yeah, all, all that, it kind of overlaps. And so that's, that's, that's what I do. All that stuff. Preston, I'm going to confess something to you. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Sure, this go is, ahead. This yeah. is, I don't know I'll put my call. I'll put my call around. We can go into a. <laughs> no, this is. This, I'm going to confess something I thought about you. So this is like it, it could make both of us feel uncomfortable for a second, but I'm right. going to go with it. Um, conversations surrounding the church and LGBTQ are mm -hmm. difficult and hard. Yeah. And I remember probably like I mean, if you've been doing this, uh, you're running that organization for six years. It was probably five or six years ago that I first okay. heard what you guys are doing and saw what you guys are doing. And honestly, Preston, I was like. Where does he land on this? Like, <laughs> and I, yeah. I mean that to me, I yeah. want you to hear this as a compliment. 
Okay. Because because so many times we only know where people land because they're yelling and screaming and putting other people yeah. down. Yeah. And I remember I'd be like, this Preston guy, he's just like so kind. And then I like dove in and I'm like, he's just like, like we're, he's one of us. <laughs> like, I, like I feel like this like kindred because I'm like, this is such a hard, tender conversation in our current culture. Yeah. And yet Preston is so nice and so kind. And he's not just talking about something. He's doing life with people. And I just want that to be the highest compliment yeah. to you is that when yeah. I first started following your work, I was so intrigued. <laughs> because I knew I wanted to be like you in these conversations. And so I know it started out with a weird confession, but I hope you see that I was like, I really can trust Preston. And so that's where yeah. I am six years later after I, seeing what you've been doing. That I, You know, you're not the first one to say that. And, and I would say for most people that say that, it is a source of frustration yeah. because they they need, if I even mention the topic or have a conversation, as I often do on my podcast with gay, lesbian, trans people, they need my stance up mm -hmm. front. Boom. Where do you stand? Rather than just entering into a conversation with people. So um, for, for, for your audience, maybe I just, just yeah, I, I firmly believe and passionately believe that God designed marriage to be between a man and a woman. So I hold to a traditional view of marriage. And it's funny, there's not a single person who would be, for lack of better terms, um, maybe more progressive in their theology, who knows my work, who has any shred of a doubt where I stand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they think I'm like a raging red in the face conservative yeah. because I simply hold to a, a traditional uh, perspective. And, and it's, but there's other people that like, because I don't come right out. And like mm -hmm. you said, yell, scream, pound yeah. the pulpit. They think, well, where are you? I don't know where you're at. So yeah. no, that, that, that is, a, I, I do take that as a compliment. And one of my mottos is I don't want to give thin answers to thick questions. God, There's a lot of so complex good. questions yes. here. And when people say, where do you stand? What about this? What about that? They want a yes or no answer. And I just resist that. I'm good. like, I want to draw people into the conversation, not just this, you know, you know, people that are after just a soundbite answer. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to resist that. I love that so much, Preston. I think that's what I love so much about you. Your book came out in August. It's called Does the Bible Support Same-Sex Marriage? It's 21 conversations from a historically Christian view. And I know that before you get into these 21 conversations, mm. at the beginning, you talk a lot about what you just said, about yeah. how do we have these conversations? And I am trying to model that in my own life mm. when I'm having this like compassionate curiosity to where other people stand or believe yeah. or feel or think. And I honestly would love to hear you talk about what is, mm -hmm. you said, I'm not, I don't come in like, here's where I stand. Now, let me give you my, let me hear your story. Yeah. How does that change the way that you have relationships with people when mm -hmm. you're willing to say, I'm going to hold it all out here with two hands and I'm going to listen to the nuance yeah. and you're going to know where I stand, but it's not going to be the first thing I lead with. Right. Tell me how that has changed in your conversations with people, um, especially it, in the LGBTQ community. It's essential. And it's essential for any kind of relationship where there's some level of disagreement. I mean, I, I often say that the first chapter, which is um, how to have a profitable conversation, that could be the first chapter of a book on politics. <laughs> we should <laughs> be the first chapter of everything we read. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's just... um. So I in 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 the back of my mind when I when I when I talk about how to have these conversations I'm thinking of people like my we're about the same age right are you are you a Gen Xer Yes I'm 45 Oh okay I'm 47 okay yeah. Okay um uh so but you just, our just had a kid get married didn't you I yeah she I got can't even she was... fathom this though <laughs> Okay go ahead <laughs> She's 20 she just got married Yeah um uh, so like our generation, Gen X and, and older boomers, you know, like mm -hmm. we just, I don't, I don't generally speaking, it's a generalization, but I, we just weren't good at like 
listening to yeah. a, a, an opposing viewpoint that might be different or being curious about somebody else's point of view that we find to be wrong or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and one of the things I say in that chapter is it's, it's almost like just, you know, implement the golden rule in these conversations. Like, how mm-hmm. would you want the other person to treat you? Like, if yeah. somebody came at you and says, okay, Jamie, um, I think you're a hobophobe, transphobe, and I think you're, um, you're killing gay people with your theology. Okay, now, um, can you tell me about your perspective? Ooh, I, like, well, I, I'm, I'm are you like, really interested in right. like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so for for us, we need to come at conversations not like, okay, I think you're a heretic or I think whatever, but like, I'm I'm genuinely curious to hear where you're coming from, and that curiosity, that that genuine listening, that seeking to understand before you refute, you know, mm. like that kind of posture just. It lowers the temperature. It, it 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 builds relational bridges so that we can mm-hmm. actually have a profitable conversation. Now, I could hear some people thinking, "Wait a minute!" But they are wrong if you're if you're talking to somebody you know, maybe that holds to a different view. And and I, I'm like, I, I look, I hold again. I hold very, I have very firm convictions in what I believe. In fact, I I'm so passionate about that that I actually want people to um to listen to what I have to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're not going to do that if you come out guns blazing, Mm -hmm. um, they're only going to come out if they see you holding your views with a certain level of humility, Mm -hmm. um, curiosity in somebody else's viewpoint that you're actually wanting to understand where the other person's coming from. You're not straw manning the other position. You're actually saying, I really want to understand where you're coming from. If you have that kind of posture, then golden rule, they might have that posture towards you. And and I'm specifically thinking of our generation and our kids, or Mm -hmm. at least Gen Z, because how we wrestle with the truth is often very different than how Gen Z does. Like, so good, yeah. You know, I, I grew up like, I won't name the preachers, you know, but certain preachers that the louder they screamed at me, the more I loved it. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's so good. Just keep screaming. It, maybe I have daddy issues or whatever. I don't, I don't know. But like, and Gen Z just- That like authority, just, like this is like, yeah. This, yeah, like, yeah. It must be true because they're yelling so loud mm-hmm. and, and they're, you know, I don't know. So it's, I feel, yeah feels unhealthy to me looking back why I yeah. love that, you know, uh-huh. but, um, but Gen Z, it's almost like if, if you're, it's, it's fascinating. I feel like the more humble and the more like the less confident you are in your viewpoint, sometimes that invites more curiosity on their mm. point. If you come out too black and white, too overly confident, like this is the way it is, you know, they start getting suspicious. Like, yeah. eh, what are you compensating mm-hmm. for? Yeah. Because yeah. they know it's complex. They're like, yeah. if you're that confident, you're probably missing something. But yeah. if you're like, you know what, based on what I've read and studied, you know, here's where I'm at and and here's why, you know, but I would love to hear mm-hmm. what's your viewpoint and, and do you have any like, do you see any holes in kind of my, my view? Like mm-hmm. if you invite that kind of interaction, it just gives more credibility to your viewpoint too, especially to a younger uh, generation. So, you um, know, it's so interesting. And I've heard you talk about that before on your podcast. Um, and it's so true. You know, we're parenting kids around the same age. And I find yeah. that when I'm talking about <laughs> things with my kids, that for me to just be dogmatic about it and tell them, this is what it is. This is where it is. I'll show you where it says it in scripture. Here's the four verses. Okay. You believe, right? Right. That right. just doesn't do it for them. That literally doesn't yeah. do it for them. Whereas yeah. we would be like, okay, yeah, I'm in. Um, and I think it's so great, especially this conversation. We see a lot of, um, we see a lot of um, parents or older mm-hmm. generation, you know, 40, 50, 60, having this conversation with younger people and they're just like hitting walls, you know, and they're hitting yeah. walls. And I think you're you're talking a lot about this. So your, yeah. your first start of this book talks about really how do we have conversations, which again, yeah. if you just read the first chapter, you're going to be a better human, guys. So there's that. <laughs> but you really dive into 21 conversations mm-hmm. 
from a historically Christian view. Now, you've yeah. been doing so much work. You've been living life. You have been doing conferences. You've been doing research, all these things. Could you have come up with 40? I mean, where the, yeah. like the 20, was it just like here, the, the highest 21 or, or your publisher's I know 21 like, 21 is a great number, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have like, you know, the number seven, the number 10, and then 21. These are uh-huh. kind of like, you know, and it wasn't planned that way. I literally had a word count in the book. And I kept coming up with what are the ones that I keep hearing over and over uh-huh. and over. Um, and I just, after I got done with 21, I was like, I, I could go 23, 24, but I've yeah. hit my word count. I, I wanted the book to be manageable. I didn't mm-hmm. want it to be 400 pages, you know? Yeah. Um, so I was like, yeah, I think I got all all the main ones. Now I know, I know there, there's going to be critics saying, yeah. well, you didn't miss the, you know, you uh-huh. didn't, what about this? Yeah. What about that? I'm like, in my 10 years in this conversation, they will three people have asked that question. Yeah, so just because yeah, yeah. it's your uh-huh. main argument, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I am writing t- kind of to what other people are, are asking. So yeah, I, I call the 21 conversations. At the end of the day, they are, they are responses to arguments against traditional marriage is how I guess you can frame it. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to frame it as a conversation, but yeah, I'm responding to all yeah. of the sort of counter arguments to traditional marriage, you know, the Bible's been mistranslated or, mm-hmm. you know, isn't love, love. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, weren't the biblical authors writing from their ancient perspective. And if yeah. they, if they knew what we know now, they wouldn't have said what they did. All mm-hmm. these kind of things that yeah. they come up. So that's what the book, that's what the book's all about. I want to dive into some of the conversations and then you guys, I, I go pick up this book. It's available anywhere. And then on your podcast, Theology and the Raw, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. You, you have a two-part series about this book that I've already mm-hmm. listened to. It's really great. But I want to ask you this, Preston. 2023. I've been following Jesus since 1999. Um, it parenting teenagers. Maybe this is more aware. It feels to me like this. These conversations are louder than ever before. Yeah. You agree? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh my yeah. My next yeah. question Everything's, is why. Yeah. Whew, um, <clears throat> that's a great question. I, I think um, there's several factors, and and I, I I'm not gonna. I'm not a social scientist that can really pin down. I don't have hard data on this, but I, I do think we live in a broader polarized society. I think it goes back to the rise of, uh, I mean, just the internet, social media, and then um, even things like media, just mass media and, mm-hmm. and social media um, incentivizing anger and fear. And mm-hmm. I feel like our our view of society has just become so polarized that either you're in this camp or that camp. If you, if you're not affirming, then you must hate gay people. Like it's very binary. And I yeah. do feel like just the nature of how information is being spread and passed on today through social media and through, uh, uh through mainstream media and politics mm-hmm. and everything. I just feel like it's exacerbating that polarization. Yeah. So, and then Kathy COVID just through, gasoline on that polarization too and how people responded to that and you know if you wear a mask you're a heretic if you don't wear a mask you're a heretic and just we'll, we're just searching for things to divide over i mean we live in a day when whole churches and families have divided over <laughs> and i just gonna take us off the field so maybe i shouldn't go here you can edit this out if you want but yeah. wearing a mask mm-hmm. is like blowing churches apart i'm yeah. like how sad is that, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I'm not saying these issues didn't have, de- you know, more important For things sure. surrounding it. But yeah, I, th- I think we're just on edge mm-hmm. as, a, as a society and as a church. I think yeah. there's so much just fear and anger driving so much of what we do. And of yeah. course, this this is a very contentious t- topic. Yeah. And so it's just falling right in line, I think, with mm-hmm. a lot of that anger and fear. 
Well, of your 21 um, arguments that you've heard that you were that you were kind of rebu- writing rebuttals about or, or speaking sure. to speaking to them, um, I want to dive into a few of them. And okay. um, one of them that I want to dive into is this this agree to disagree. Can't we yeah. just agree to disagree? And 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 I I hear that often. And I'll be honest, there's a part of me that's like, okay, yeah, like sure. Like yeah. the, it is just this this just let's just agree to disagree. Um, but what is what do you say to that to yeah. that argument? I, I'm getting that a lot. And I would say this one, this argument um or conversation, I think it's number 20 in the book, um, is really dear to my heart because for for especially early on in my journey when I was really doing um initial research on the topic, um, I was really wrestling with this because I was get I was building a lot of relationships with gay and lesbian people mm-hmm. and, and found out some of them are, were amazing and <laughs> we're still friends of today. Um, and yet my, you know, theologically, I was like, ah, I just, I can't get there with, with same sex marriage. But I was like, man, I wonder if this agree to disagree perspective um, is, is where it's at. Um, and what I mean by agree to disagree is that, you know, isn't this not really that important of an issue. It's a secondary issue. The Bible's like baptism not, or something. Like yeah, you can baptism. agree to disagree. In times, whether Christians mm-hmm. should, should drink alcohol or whether they should drink Bud Light or whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, just like these things that are like, okay, you can have strong opinions, but at the end of the day, this is not yeah. like a gospel mm-hmm. issue. So I, um, what I do in each of these chapters is I try to do my best to represent the argument, number one, like mm-hmm. what is the argument? And then number two, um, I try to find something uh, positive in it. And that's another point going back to chapter one is mm-hmm. like, if can you find something in somebody else's position that you agree with? Mm-hmm. That just often builds a relational bridge that helps to have a profitable conversation, even if at the end of the day, you end up really disagreeing. So, um, you know, I love the heart behind this, this, this uh, argument. And, and again, this isn't as much of an argument for same-sex marriage. It just often mm-hmm. comes up in the, in the conversation. Sure. So I, I love the passion for unity, you know, there's people that are so passionate for the unity of the church. Um, they they may have friends on both sides. They see the humanity in people on both sides, mm-hmm. and so I think the motivation to say it's an you know this isn't that important important of an issue. I think the motivation is the unity of the church, and I think Jesus also was passionate about the unity mm-hmm. unity of the church. But yeah, there are certain things that I think the church can and should divide over, you know, or or should not sacrifice on the table of unity. So yeah. I, I do think, I don't think that disagreement over the basic essence of marriage is is simply a secondary issue. I do mm-hmm. think this is more important than that. And here's, here's why. Um, in the first century, um, the, 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 oh, well, both Jews and Christians, um, they would refer to issues of sexual immorality with the Greek word porneia. Okay, mm-hmm. it's a Greek word that is translated sexual immorality. Sometimes it's translated fornication. And um, sins along these lines were treated extremely, um, I won't say severely, but these these were these were these were very important issues. Mm-hmm. You know, you have very strong statements both from Jesus, from from the apostles, and the rest of the New Testament around. We, we 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 need to treat issues of sexual immorality seriously. Now, both Jews and Christians of the first century would consider any kind of sexual relationship outside of a marriage, and I mean male-female marriage, they would just label that porneia. Mm-hmm. This is all, all of it is sexual immorality. And you have many passages in the New Testament that doesn't 
there's not a single verse in the New Testament that would treat sexual immorality as well. That's your interpretation, and mm-hmm. and you know we can kind of agree to disagree. This isn't that important of an issue. Like there's, I just have nothing to go on in the New Testament mm-hmm. to say if something is considered sexual immorality, then it's it's not that big of a deal. So to me, that it was a friend that pointed that out to me years ago when he he was kind of catching my agree to disagree vibes. I was like tr- working hard to make this not that big of an issue, and he's like. And he brought this up to me, and I'm like, I instantly like, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. If I do hold to a traditional view, by definition, all sex outside of male female marriages mm-hmm. is sexual immorality. So yeah. um, now, let me come kind of full circle and say, I um, that doesn't mean I think that people who are affirming you know aren't genuine Christians. Um, we've got a whole history of of bad interpretations of the Bible or wrong interpret, you know how many Christians held slaves? How many mm-hmm. Christians were, if you read their writings, were misogynistic? I mean, mm-hmm. Martin Luther, for crying out loud, was an anti-Semite. Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, loads of Christian leaders were had a low view of women. You know, mm-hmm. there's a direct violation of Genesis 1. What are the, what are the blind spots we have? We right. have them. So mm-hmm. I, I do want to be, even in saying, like, I don't think this is simply a secondary issue, I'm not making a judgment call in son, on, an, on an individual's mm-hmm. salvation. Only God. Because that's not your job. It's not my job. It's not my job. And, yeah. and I've been surprised enough um, over the years that people I thought were in, they weren't in, and people I thought were out were actually more like Jesus than, you know, all these, you know, churchgoers and stuff. So so I, I do want to, I don't want to make a judgment call, but I, 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 if you just ask me, does scripture treat the basic definition of marriage and mm-hmm. issues of sexual immorality seriously? I'm going to say absolutely it mm-hmm. does. Yeah. One of your um, things that you talk about is this idea of like love is love. Why would you get in the way of someone mm-hmm. being able to experience love? Yeah. And um, I don't know if it's in this discussion that you talk about. Isn't that everyone's like right to be able to right. love who they want and be with do what they want to do and marry right. who they want? Isn't that like why would you get in yeah. the way of that for someone? And, um, again, I love so much how you're always like, let me find something in your argument that I can agree with. And I can agree like, man, love is good, you know? And like, I see where you're coming from. So what about that discussion that people are having? Like, come on, Preston, like love is love. I don't understand why you can't (laughs) let this be okay. It, 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 there's a, a, a power to this argument that, um, I think we we need to really appreciate, and I, I do. I, in that chapter, I spend a lot of time on this one, especially like helping people who might immediately want to critique the argument on an intellectual level. Which, to jump forward, I think isn't that difficult to do. Um, I think people want to just immediately dismantle the argument, and I and I want to slow people down to say, if somebody brings this up. I, I want you to linger in the heart mm. behind this argument here. You know, uh, we, yeah, we all have a desire to love and be loved. And um, that's a cry of the human heart. We live in an age where loneliness is, mm-hmm. is at an all time high where people aren't feeling love, um, aren't loving well, you know? So I, I want to appreciate, truly appreciate the heart behind this uh, argument um, and, and really linger there. So, um, now, if somebody says, okay, love is love, therefore, and then make a claim about sexual ethics or a definition of marriage, I'm like, okay, now, now we're entering into ethics, we're entering into theology, you know, because mm-hmm. somebody's asking me to change my theological position. 
because of this, mm-hmm. because love is love, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where I say, okay, well, let, let's 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 tease this out a little bit. Um, there is a difference between love, the agape love that God has showed us in Christ, um, that we are commanded to show our neighbors, even our enemies. And I think we can all agree that that kind of love, when it says God is love, that that could include a sexual or, rom- or, or romantic relationship. But I think we can, we should all be able to agree that like the concept of love cannot be reduced to a sexual or romantic yeah. relationship. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the problems in using this as an argument is that it's, it's kind of dancing around using the term love in many different ways in the same sentence. Mm-hmm. You know, love is love. We all should love and be loved. Can't we love who we want to love? And, and they're already in that, in that 10 seconds. I've used love in a general sense of divine love and neighborly mm-hmm. love and even enemy love. But I've also like, you know, can't we love who we want to love? Okay, now we're talking about a romantic sexual relationship is really what we're talking mm-hmm. about, right? Um, so I want to make that distinction that, you know, God, to put it, well, this is, you've got a podcast like mine, we can, we can speak freely, you know, when God said, you know, love your neighbors, he didn't say go have sex with all your neighbors, right? right. So we, um, God loves us and he doesn't, Mm-hmm. We want to make a distinction between yeah. sexual love and just love, love. Mm-hmm. So, um, all that to say, the same God who is love, who loved us more than anybody can ever love us, um, who commanded us to love our neighbors and love our enemies, that same God also created us as sexual beings. And as the inventor of sex, as the creator of humans as sexual beings, he also designed us um, to express our sexuality in certain ways. And then we have to ask the question, okay, has he revealed that design to us? And I'm going to say yes through the Bible, okay? And then so all the, all, now we're back to what does the Bible say about sexual ethics? The same God who commanded love, who is love, also revealed to us a certain ethic of marriage and sexual ethics. And, and that's where um, then we're back to what does the Bible say about marriage and <laughs> same-sex uh, sexuality. I do also want to say that... Um, well, going back to our purity culture era, which you and I both yeah. grew up in, you mm-hmm. know, there there was this underlying, I would say, idolization of marriage and sex. I, it wasn't always stated explicitly, it was but there felt. was it was felt. It was in the air. Like yeah. part of your walk with God will include everything everything goes goes right. Don't mm-hmm. go past first base with your girlfriend, do your devotions at least six days a week, go to church, be a good person you know, you know, get your purity ring and make sure you don't fail. Then God will what, bless you with a spouse. And a great then sex you life. Just wait, you just wait, hold off and you experience amazing sex and marriage and everything. And then when it, that's great until it doesn't happen mm-hmm. or, or you do yeah. get married to the amazing guy and he turns out to be a, a total jerk, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so, so um, I do think there was this kind of like, we mm-hmm. can't really flourish as humans unless mm-hmm. we are married to the, our soulmate, having a great sex life. I do see in this love is love kind of kind of a similar, almost like a a neo purity culture mm. motif that we really can't be happy. You know, love is can't we love who we want to love, and if, if we're prevented from loving who we want to love, then we can't be happy. And I think again, what that what's actually being said there is, unless I have a romantic sexual partner that matches my sexual desires, I can't really be happy in life. Is 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 what is being communicated? And I feel like that's doing purity culture stuff all over again and I think it's very unhealthy. 
I heard you talk about that on a podcast and I had never obviously related any of that together. And then mm. I'm like, wow, it feels that way. I'll tell you, God's done, I think I told you this probably when you were on the other podcast launch, just God's done such a work in my heart on all of these areas because I have friends who are gay. Um, mm, yeah. And um, I'll tell you an example of this. We've changed our we've changed our narrative when we talk to our kids. It's all we've changed it to like if you go to college, if you get married, if you have kids. Whereas we grew up, it was like when you go to college, when you get married, when you have kids, it was like the way that your life worked. (laughs) And we've just changed that narrative because although we don't believe marriage is for everyone, we also don't believe college is for everyone or have what all fill in the blank with all the things. And um we had we were having dinner the other night and one of our friends was over at our dinner uh, table eating with us and he is gay and living a life following Jesus, um, not seeking any kind of relationship with the same sex. And we were joking. It was, it was like to explain to you, it sounds like we're like weirdo people, but we were talking about like, Oh man, what would I do if dad died? Like the kids were there. This is very crazy conversation, but it sounds like conversations we have in our household. Okay. The sprinkles. Okay. Good. So (laughs) we're like, and I said like, Oh, I would want you to get married again, you know. So we're having the conversation, and Aaron's like, "I bet you'd be married in like two months, Jamie." So we're having this funny ha 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 ha. <laughs> and Preston, I stopped myself, and I told Aaron about this later, and I, I I like was praising God for the work He's done in my own heart. But I stopped myself and praise God, I didn't say it out loud with our friend who's sitting at the table who has said, "I will never mm. experience sexual intimacy. I will never experience love within a marriage." I thought in my head, and the Holy Spirit closed my mouth. But what I thought was, hmm. you wouldn't expect me to live the rest of my life without being married, would you? Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. Isn't that wild? And like, if I were to confess, I kind of feel that way. Like, you know, like, and, and there is, a, there is like, I've been married for 24 years. I've tasted it. I like being married. I like the partnership. But underneath that is yeah. this idea that yeah. I deserve it. It's what's best. And I'll be my best if I'm married. And yeah. I told Aaron about it, you know, hours after our friend had left. And I was like, you're not going to believe like, and he goes, I'm so glad you didn't say that because we're working so hard to change the narrative in our family within our own hearts. And that's that idea, you know, that like being able to love someone intimately and sexually is the best thing that could ever happen to you and that we deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I've got three teenage daughters. One just got married teenage son and we've got a real we've got you know several good friends that are like like that you know gay and and, mm-hmm. and even you know committed to celibacy one one in particular greg coles is you know he's 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 basically a family to, to us mm-hmm. you know and, yeah. and it, it is interesting because we'll just have you know there's guests you have in your home and then there's just people that just feel like family and, and then exactly when you feel like family you just you just talk freely right uh-huh. and i just i'm constantly cat same thing even as passionately as i believe in yep. marriage is not a promise it's a possibility it's right. a calling for some mm-hmm. but not all or maybe many but not all um and i catch myself all the time talking to our daughters and and it's often just when you get married and yep. when you it just it's this assumption that of course you're gonna mm-hmm. that's just the next stage in yeah. a happy flourishing yeah. life and yeah. and i often kind of look at greg i'm like Huh. And this is interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah. wow. Yeah. yeah. And you it's helped me the, even yeah. with that when we had our conversation on the launch podcast, just about even with talking to our kids about sexuality, like just not introducing them to the idea that they could potentially be gay, but allowing space for them to be real and honest with what they're feeling. And and that was just like, 
that was just kind of mind blowing to me as well. And a little mm. scary, but to, to not have the conversation be so closed off that they wouldn't be comfortable talking to us about it. That's what it made me feel after our conversation. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, I want to yeah. ask you this. You mentioned this jokingly at the beginning, you know, that if, if we were to come into a conversation, someone came to me and they're like, without listening to me and just said, Jamie, you're like a homophobe. You hate gay people and you're causing all transgender people to kill themselves. Mm-hmm. That's not an exaggeration. Like that, that is, no. that is things mm-hmm. that can be said yeah. potentially. And, um, I'm sure that you get that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what does that feel like? And I guess I would just want you to kind of encourage those of us that are listening who have said, I believe in the traditional biblical view of marriage mm-hmm. that God created, you know, this, this between a man and a woman sexually. I don't hate gay people. Uh-huh. I think gay people can be a Christian. Like, I don't think being gay is this, like, we have all these things that we're like, but yet people would say that about us. What What do you, what do you say to that? Maybe this is a little counseling session between me and you where you're like, Jamie, no, you're, yeah. you're okay, Jamie. Don't let, don't let people's words bother you. But like, in all reality, like we yeah. hear those things. I know you do as well. Yeah, I definitely, I can remember a time. I mean, a, a specific moments where people have said that to, to my face with, with, a. a, a with a lot of honesty in, in their in their voice and and it's coming from a deep place in their soul, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and that's that's hard to receive. Um, I would go back to once again, um, understanding someone's heart. What what is leading someone to come to that conclusion, you know? And and oftentimes there could be a story or several stories. Maybe they have been so mistreated by the church. Maybe they've Which had is a high I, possibility, I guess, I'm sure. You probably have very high on it. Yeah. Gosh, I've several friends who are gay who are now like you know walking with Jesus and and following a, a traditional ethic and they tell me horror stories mm. of, of how they were um at the very least emotionally and spiritually abused if not yeah. sometimes physically and even sexually abused um i mean just horror stories right so um so so off, sometimes gay and lesbian and trans people can have really horrific experiences in Christian environments. And we we need to not say, yeah, but, or, well, you know, well, they also, like, we need to linger in that and mm-hmm. repent from bad behavior, unchristian behavior we've, we've had in our part. And really what I tell people is, look, I, I going back to kind of where, where do I agree with some of these arguments, you know, here I would say 100% the church and Christians, not everyone, okay, um, but, but the church as a whole and Christians as a whole, they we have done some really horrible things mm-hmm. towards LGBT people. There was a survey done a while back that discovered that 83%, 83% of LGBT people were raised in the church. Mm. Uh, it's published in a book titled Us Versus Us <laughs> mm. <laughs> to kind of combat this idea that you have, you know, the church over here and we're all straight. And then you have the gay mm-hmm. community out there and they're all raging atheists that hate Christianity, you know, and, and again, general, there's, maybe a semblance of truth there, but loads of LGBT people have some kind of church background and it didn't go well. Now, here's the thing. Most often, it wasn't simply a theological disagreement that drove them out of the church. It was relational stuff mm-hmm. that that we could, we could change. Uh, you can hold to a traditional view and be a good listener, be compassionate, walk with somebody um, allow them to process stuff, not demand that they have all the right answers at 15 when they come mm-hmm. out as gay. You know, um, there's a lot more relational stuff we could do better while holding to a traditional view of marriage. So all that to say, coming back to 
um, this as an argument, you know, is the traditional view harmful, harming mm-hmm. gay and lesbian people? I'm going to say, I, I, I want to point out that, you know, correlation isn't necessarily causation. Just because Christians or the church who also hold to the view that marriage is between a man and a woman, just because that crowd has done harmful things, doesn't in and of itself mean simply believing in traditional marriage is the kind of the gasoline in the tank that's driving people to harm mm-hmm. gay and lesbian people. I, I don't, I don't think that's true. And I, and I, I go into much more detail in the book of why on a logical level, I don't think that that's, that's true. Um, but honestly, yeah, I, I think with that argument, it's coming from such a deep, deep relational place. And I think we need to listen seriously to that. And this is, I mean, you know, yes, what I do for a living, my full-time job in the last seven years has been trying to help the church hold to maintain their view in traditional marriage and also mm-hmm. cultivate a much, much better, I would say Christ-like posture yeah. toward everybody in the church, including those who have been marginalized mm-hmm. by religion, namely LGBTQ people. Yeah. Yeah. That's so wonderful. And I think this book, I'm so excited to read it. I told you that when we're recording this, I haven't received it yet, but yeah. that um, even though this interview is over, I told you, and I'll say this here as well, I will read this book because yeah. it is as just a parent, as a leader, as a follower of Jesus, as a member of my local body, um, as someone who lives in Austin, Texas, like I just, these are conversations that are not lost on me and that are happening all around me. And so I just want to encourage the listener, the listening right now to that, to, to go ahead and find this book and, and find your podcast as well. And I want to say this, I think I said on the launch podcast, my family and I, we've been going through very slowly, but surely uh, the videos from the Christian sexuality series. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now yeah. the videos we have, I'm now realizing might not have been for families. I got the ones for individuals. So I got it for me. Oh, okay. But I've been watching it with my kids. I'm sure it's fine. Right. It's, yeah. They're all teenagers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's great. It's designed for 13 to 18 year olds. Uh, 13 to 15 might be a little, depending on their maturity, but uh-huh. that's, that's what we have in mind. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So I also, I'm going to put that in the show notes and it's been really helpful for conversations around our house as mm. well. And so you great, guys have great. done some great jobs with those videos. Really, awesome. really, really love Thank them. You. Yeah. Appreciate love them. That. Appreciate um, that. Well, Preston, I just am grateful for you. I'm grateful for the tone that you bring to this conversation. It's what I want to emulate. It feels very Christ-like. And I just, I want, I want to be Christ-like in everything that I do. And I think that when we look at Jesus is he was allowing people to come to him as he was and having conversations and listening. Mm. And so, um, and he asked questions all the time. Like I asked like over 300 questions. And I think that is also where we get lost wow. in this discussion is like how we not ask enough questions of those yeah. who think differently than us. Um, I would love, as we close out, I'd love to know what you're reading these days. Well, I am on, this is good. You're going to want to have me back on for this. I, I am on a long research journey into the question of women in ministry. Oh, I know. Um, I listen to you talk about it on your show all okay. the time. So yeah. If I can move my computer, I've got a list of about 30 books over here that I'm working through. So uh, I'm reading, basically trying to read everything that's been written on the topic, which is about 300 books. So uh, yeah, that's what, I'm, another that's what di- I'm... Another fun subject within the church right now, Preston. You're just tackling right. them all left and right. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah so. Can you tell me one that you're loving right now that you're reading? Because I'm going to have to I, go get um, it. Yeah, there's so many. Um, I'm reading everything on both sides of the debate. Uh, I've really enjoyed the work of uh, Craig Keener. is uh-huh. really thoughtful. Um uh, let's see. Um, Richard Bauckham, who's not as he's in the scholarly realm, he's very well known. I think he's the best New Testament scholar in the world. Um, he's written some really interesting stuff on it. 
Another scholar, Bruce Winter, has done a lot of stuff on the Greco-Roman world and, and women in the first century. So, yeah, these, these are not these are not popular books. These are books that you know few people might might want to actually read. But I, I yeah, it scratches my scholarly itch, I guess. So I yeah. love it so much. Well, I should have introduced you as Doctor Preston Sprinkle. So nah, um, nah. my bad for that. Do you do you do you demand that your kids call you Doctor sometimes? I, I try. Would. To, yeah, I would. They, they, I, they, I'd be like, don't. I am not Mom. I am not Jamie. I'm Doctor. Yeah. I, I tell them to call me El Padre, and it hasn't, hasn't stuck yet. <laughs> well, you know, they'll say, well, Dad, you're not a real doctor. I'm like, I have a PhD from a historian. And they're like, yeah, but you can't help us when we're sick. Like, ah, okay. <laughs> what did you get your doctorate in? It was in New Testament and and uh, Judaism, first century okay. Judaism. Yeah, yeah. Exciting. Well, I yeah. told you off air. I'm starting school this fall, and so yeah. at Denver Seminary. So I actually, I actually really love to li- read and learn, and so. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about it. You're going to love it. Oh, you're going to eat it up. Dennis what if I great. just keep going, Preston? What if in like 10 years, I'm like Dr. Ivy? Yeah, yeah. I don't think so, but I would make Aaron call me that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll when you finish that degree, you'll be master, master Jamie. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. So Preston, thanks so much, guys. We're going to put in the show notes, everything about this book, your podcast, uh, your organization that you run. I mean, it's just like, if you're wanting to dive into information and conversations, Preston has so much mm-hmm. there for you. And so I'm really grateful for the work that you're doing. It's helpful for Thank me you. as a leader and as a mom. And so thanks for all your work. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate the conversation. Guys, I really highly recommend his book. It came out in August. You can still get it wherever you get books. And if you're an audiobook person like I am, uh, Preston actually reads it. And I love books where the the author reads the book. But it's called Does the Bible Support Same-Sex Marriage? 21 Conversations from a Historically Christian View. I also want to say this weekend, I will be in Gatlinburg with the Favored Woman Conference. And so if you're there, I'm speaking on Sunday, please come say hi. I would love to meet you. I'd love to hug your neck. And it's always fun to meet listeners. In fact, that's a rule of thumb. If you listen to the happy hour and you see me out in the wild, please come say hi, because I just sit in a little room and record these shows. And then to think, oh my gosh, you're a real person and you're listening. It brings me great, great joy. So come say hi if you ever run across me. The Happy Hour is produced and hosted by myself, Jamie Ivey, with assistance from Nikki Ogden and Ashley Caldwell. And the show is edited by Jason Talley. 